is Steve. I'm Liv. This is Fish Out of Water. A podcast for epileptics by epileptics who are not medical professionals. Okay, it's been a little while since our last uh, episode was uploaded. Um, and we actually don't know what order this might actually go in. Our way that uh, we still get content out because uh, we love doing this and we love to hear from you guys. So please let us know how, it, if anything, if it changes. Yeah, for sure. Bear with us. This is going to be a good podcast. I have a really good feeling about it. I've already had people tell me that it's really great. I had, we, I, I really appreciate the feedback that we've had so far. And if you have any more, you can email us at fishoutofwater101 at outlook.com. Since I last saw you, what was that big thing you did again? That's right, you got married. Yeah, you got married. I got married. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's the thing that happened. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it went extremely well. It went way better than it should have gone, to be honest. Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. Jenny, uh, she was... Marvelous. She was the one that basically ran the whole thing, and she did it so well. But the funny thing is, is that amongst all of the things that we could have forgotten, like oh, we forgot to order the wine or something like that, none of that happened. It all, it all happened. Uh, the one thing we forgot until the last second was to get the actual person that was going to marry us, the officiant. Oh my god! <laughs> and we were like, oh wait a minute, we need someone to actually marry us. Do you think there's people that can do that in like a few days? <laughs> Notice. <laughs> so we actually. Uh, Went around really quick, found someone, because luckily we were on an odd day. We went on a Friday, uh, rather than a Saturday or Sunday, which is where most people get married. Uh, so it actually worked out. And the person said, yeah, I can do it. Here's the uh, terms and all that. And we said, yep, yep, that's good. <laughs> good enough. And uh, she was awesome. She did an excellent job. And everything else went well. What I do advise people, if you're going to get married and you do plan to have more than just a couple people, is get a... Uh, one of those medical, not medical, uh, <laughs> uh, one of those uh, marriage counselor advisors, you know, people that help you plan, marriage planners. The, uh, the wedding planners? Yeah, those things. Uh, we had one that was also happened to be a friend, uh, just our luck. It was perfect for us. Uh, and it all went perfectly. The wedding, I couldn't have asked for a better wedding, honestly. Everything went well. The uh, food was delicious. The... Uh, all the alcohol, we managed to make it free for everybody and still not have to pay too much. Uh, and uh, then the actual ceremony was excellent. And we got a, she got a dress and I got a suit that we can use outside of the wedding because we're kind of not about like just getting the one dress and only having to be able to use it once. That's just not in our philosophy. Excuse so. me, it w my dress was so nice. It was beautiful. You don't remember it. I remember it was beautiful. <laughs> You were late too. Yeah. You were late. Oh my god. When um when Jenny started, we were uh I was sitting with two of the dojo and Ben and uh, our friends uh Leah and Lindsay, we were trying to place bets on who was going to cry first, you or Jenny. And <laughs> we were all like Steve, it's gonna be Steve one hundred percent. So Jenny's walking down the aisle and I don't know what song that was that she walked down the aisle to, but that was beautiful i couldn't tell you she it she looked nice. amazing um and <laughs> she wasn't quite crying she was like her lip was kind of trembling but she just looked so outrageously happy and i hear <laughs> and it's ben ben is the first to cry <laughs> i'm not even kidding it was, i'm like really it hasn't even started yet well my, my actual thinking <laughs> 
my actual thinking on the whole thing was that if I cried or if I got into that kind of emotional state, it would send Jenny off uh, and then we wouldn't even get through our vows. So I was actually making a concerted effort to be completely just happy and like accepting face without any kind of emotion on it outside than happy. So no crying or anything. So I was tamping all that stuff down because I didn't want to be the one to start because then Jenny would go and then I would be going. And so it'd be just a chain reaction. Then it would be nothing but tears in the front three rows. <laughs> it's just all cry, all front three rows. So uh, I was trying to tamp that down a little bit uh, because also I was a little worried about saying the vows and making it sound good because you want it to actually sound good. Yeah, um, yeah. And you don't want it to be all snipples. So <laughs> Ben cracked during our vows, I think. Mine was, mine were really sweet. And I made that, uh, that, Kento reference to if anyone ever yep. hurts you, I'll knee a vengeance them or something yep. like that. It was something so along those lines, yeah. I put like violence into my vows. Like, I will yeah. kill for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 110 pounds and I will murder someone that hurts you. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember like my vows were really nice and stuff. And then Ben got two seconds into his and his cracked and then everyone and his voice cracked and he went, I knew it. And then I like people started crying and I, I literally thought, guys, mine were good too. You could have cried at mine, but no, gotta cry at Ben's. Well, people's sympathy cry. Uh, it's the same way as if you, go, you get one or two people on the bus that are miserable, then by the time you're finished that bus ride, everybody's in kind of in a more miserable state. But you get one or two people that are really happy, and you get the exact same thing. Everybody by the end of it is a little happier than when they first went on the bus. Yeah. If people sympathy uh, emotion with anybody. So if, if you had really beautiful vows, but you said them well, then what's <laughs> going to happen is everybody will feel well. But if you sit there and you start cracking up during them, people see the emotion, they feel the emotion, unless they're sociopaths. Uh, which case that's they don't. literally what I was thinking, but I'm like, oh, that's not this kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're going to have sympathy cries just because people do that. People have sympathy yawns. I know, right? Apparently, one of the tests for if you're a sociopath or a psychopath, I can't remember, is if uh, you yawn and another person doesn't yawn, they could be a psychopath because they don't have yawning <laughs> empathy or something. And I was just like, oh my god, I want to yawn really loudly in front of someone I think is very nice. <laughs> Slightly sociopathic. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, I'm reading a really good book. Ooh, yeah, uh, it's the first book in a while that has actually like gotten me really excited and hooked. What was it? What's it by again? Uh, it's called Social Misconduct by S.J. Mayer or Maher. M-A-H-E-R. Um, it's, it's really good. It's about social media, and this girl has a stalker, and she's on the run now because it looks like she might have killed someone, and you don't know whether, like, she actually killed this person or, uh, the... I just dropped all my papers. I'm sorry. Remember, this is very DIY. And, um, gravity. So, <laughs> I made me laugh. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about this book, um, and my kid did a very cute thing the other day, uh, when he goes to bed every night, I tell him, I, I like you no forever, clue. I love you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be, so it's this, have you not read that book? I love you forever? No. I How don't. have you not read that book? Why would I? 
It's everyone has read this book. I've Every, never even heard of it. Oh my god! It 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 is. I am a cave tool. It is a sociopath test. If you do not cry because of this book, you do not have a soul. Well, it is like a real life book. It's this. It's like written for kids and parents, where mm. it's this single mom telling her her baby and then her toddler and then her little kid and then her teenager and then even her adult son um as he's growing up and becoming a different person she says i love you forever i love you for always as long as i'm living my baby will be and near the end um she's getting sick and dying and he comes to her bedside and says the story to her i love you forever i like you for always as long as i'm living my baby will be Anyway, I was saying this to Harry that night, and before I got to as long as I'm living, my baby will be, he said, my mama, you'll be. And I was just like, okay, that made my life. For not-so-fun-fact corner, I thought I would talk about Todd's paralysis, which is... A type of paralysis post-seizure that affects mainly the extremities, just my right side in my case, though, as opposed to all of them. It sounds like you have some of that, but it's like partial, partial. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to having it full on. Yeah. Um, the Wikipedia article that I did read on this said that it usually happens in the extremities, so I'm not sure it could be one or two, but again, they said that it could be full paralysis. Um, and that it can last up to 48 hours to completely recover. So I can usually start moving it again after about five, within five minutes, I can start moving it again, but I'm not doing push-ups anytime soon. It can also make speech and vision kind of impaired. Okay. Well, that makes, that makes sense because if you're partially uh, paralyzed uh, also in the face, any kind of muscles that have to use, uh, that you need to use for speaking, makes yeah. sense that if those aren't working right, you're gonna sound a little messy. Yeah. One time I have had, uh, I lost my ability to speak for about two minutes, and that had never happened before. And uh, yeah, I had a seizure. And I was trying to tell Ben that I was okay, but like he kind of did the like, you okay? And then just rolled over and went tried to go back to sleep. And I was trying to tell him that I was okay. And then I realized, oh, I, I can't speak right now. So I'm not okay, no. So I, like, I sat up and I started just kind of, like, hitting him with my left hand because that's the one I can do. So I'm, like, trying to hit him. And he's like, what? What? Tell me. what? Don't just hit. Tell me. And I'm, like, like shaking. I'm just, like, shrugging and freaking out. But I started getting my voice back. It wasn't even slurred when it came back. It was just back, and I was like, I don't know what the hell just happened. So my next doctor's appointment, I ran it by them, and I was like, I couldn't talk. And they were like, Todd's paralysis. Right. And I was like, oh, um, thanks. So, uh, yeah, it's about three hours before it's back. I am in a lot of pain post-seizure, I'm assuming. Uh, I feel like a dog's breakfast myself, but it's, <laughs> it, I feel uh, quite terrible. It, I'll slur for the first bit, uh, and I'll have a hard time forming words, but it's, I don't think it's the same as Todd's paralysis. It's paralyzed on any other limb or anything like that. I just am a mess mentally, 
and I get, because um, the words I want to get out is always don't call an ambulance. <laughs> and invariably people do anyways. And I understand, but so it's one of those things that's frustrating because I understand where they're coming from. They don't want to be responsible for me having worse things happen to me or, you know, something else. And they want to do what their civic duty of taking care of someone if they see them uh, in trouble. So it's one of those frustrating things. I don't blame them for it, but I wish they wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> Unless right? they really need it. And, of course, you can't assume everybody knows when you really need it, you know, because they're not medical professionals. So I understand. I just wish they wouldn't because every time that happens, it costs me like 45 to 100 bucks uh, because I get billed with the, uh, the medical costs of the transport of the ambulance. Yeah, one time they, I, I had a seizure at Blockbuster, which is the oldest sentence I've ever said. <laughs> and I, they called an ambulance, even though I told them not to. And as the paramedics were arriving with a stretcher and coming through the foyer, I was walking out. Mm. And I just started to laugh and keep walking. <laughs> the cause is basically the cortex being exhausted after a lightning storm happening in your brain. Right. Todd's can also be a similar side effect to a stroke. Mm which I didn't really think of until I read this article, and then I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah, because that, I don't remember which of our episodes it was, whether it was the second one. It was the first episode when yeah. it was like, you seem to have had a stroke when you were 10. It, I was to say what that, that was off yeah. of just observation, stroke. Absolutely. But no, apparently. And it was founded by a man named Robert Bentley Todd in mm. 1849. Oh, that far back. Yeah. So thanks, Robert, for uh, making that a little clearer. Yeah. I want to figure something out and just get my name attached to it. Why would you want something like associated with you? That's kind of like, well, it's like we Lou... don't know what's wrong with you, so you're going to have a disease named after you. Well, that's like Lou Gehrig, uh, who was a <laughs> baseball player. And yeah. now it's Lou Gehrig's disease. You know what? Why not? Uh, I'll have, like, uh, Steve's nasty poop storm <laughs> disease or something like that. And I don't think they actually do that anymore. Well, you know what? If you find something, you can name it, and it won't matter what the technical name of it is. Because if you found it out, and then you name it after yourself, it's not going to matter. Everybody's going to call it that. That's just how life works. Because it won't matter if they have an official name. They're going to call it the other one. Especially if it's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I had one other thing that I was going to add. Oh, right. Sidebar, I did have a seizure a couple days ago. I was falling asleep on the couch. It was like 8.30. Mm. I was watching Orange is the New Black. Uh, final season. Really good. But I was falling asleep. Not anything against the show. I was just really tired. And I started having a seizure. And because Ben was upstairs in the loft with Harry, and he has these, like, was canceling mm -hmm. headphones. I didn't know how loud I needed to scream because there have been there, there's been one time in the past where he literally didn't hear me, and I said like, "Hey Google, call Ben," and it like called Ben. I'm like, "Where are you?" Dad, you'll need to unlock your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful with those words. Oh dear, that's awesome. Oh my god, that was amazing. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Good technology. Yeah, creepy technology, but good technology. Yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of lines in both, <laughs> creepy and very handy. Right, okay, you don't need to call Ben. Okay, anyway, um, I told her to call Ben and called Ben. I was like, where are you? Anyway, so I screamed, help, help, I'm having a seizure, and I scared Harry. Mm -hmm. And he just 
shrieked, and that part scared him, and then Ben scooped him up and came downstairs. Uh, and then, so I've got Cece in my face. Um, that's that's dog my dog. For, my yeah, dog, Cece. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice dog. Yeah, she's a good dog. Um, I've got my dog, Cece. She's, like, right in my face, because I think she'd only seen one of my seizures before. Then uh, Ben's there, and I was actually able to, like, for the first time ever... Because I had to get down on like the floor, which is hardwood. I had to uh, crunch my core, so thank you for making me work that once a week. <laughs> so my head wouldn't hit the floor until yep. Ben got there and put a pillow under that. And I've never been um, able to do that. I've never thought to do that before, so it was like my subconscious was like, okay, time to do a crunch for a little bit. Anyway, so Harry came down and he was like, Mama is sad. Mama is sad. And I was like, oh, God. I think him growing up, I'm hoping at least him growing up around seizures is going to make him a more compassionate person. I, I'm hoping that's what's going to wind up happening. I would say absolutely, except ignore the teen years. Because <laughs> I don't think many people are nice people during those, especially early teens, between like 12 to 13 to like maybe 16, 17. After that, they kind of turn into a human again. But I think those years, uh, I don't know many people that are actually nice during those years. So just having one of those things like, he's going to be an awesome kid. He's an awesome kid already. But it's going to be one of those things that just take those years and be like, okay, we'll wait till the end and then uh, you're going to be nice again. Oh, just wait. He's going to get a note in his lunch every day whether oh he likes it or not i'll like put it in his pocket or whatever if he's not <laughs> if he's going to the cafeteria i'm like totally gonna norma bates that kid yeah so that's not so fun fact corner uh what is happening next i can't remember famous fish yes let's do fellow famous fish with steve so like we were saying um, some of our previous ones we're probably gonna have to redo but today i've decided to do a brand new famous fish this one is danny glover mm. now the guy from Community? I don't remember. Or is he the older? He's, uh, he's, uh, okay. Is he like my age or is he the no, older guy? No, 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 no. This guy I'm is, a young person. You are a, a youngin. <laughs> no, I'm talking about an olden like me. Okay, um, I don't know who Danny Glover is. I know he's a, he's an African-American. Yes. Okay, that's, I'm, I'm so sorry. He's an actor and he's African. <laughs> How about I, I tell you who he is? I'm so sorry. Okay, please tell me about this fellow <laughs> famous fish. Okay, Danny Glover is an amazing actor. What has he been in? Lethal Weapon, the whole series, the action series, Lethal With Weapon. Mel Gibson? Yes. Okay. Oh, oh I'm God, too old you're so for young. this shit? It's like the Is best... that the guy, I'm too old for this shit? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. I know who Danny Glover is. Okay. Murtaugh. He Mur played Murtaugh. He was the, uh, not the Mel Gibson, but the other fellow in uh, Lethal Weapon. Mel Gibson isn't black? Nope. <laughs> so, he's been in lots of movies. One of my favorite movies that's a kind of a terrible movie, but it's kind of not at the same time, is Predator 2. So the first Predator was Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay. and that's by far the best Predator movie. Uh, I think most people agree on that one. I wouldn't know, but I'll, I'll <sighs> take your word for it. See, this is why we don't read the same books. It's like, <laughs> just on based on our movie preferences, you can tell which books we're going to read. <laughs> hey, you know, social misconduct is really good. Anyway, I'm please sure continue. It is. Tell me about Danny Glover. Okay, he's got a lot of awards. He had 27 wins on different awards and 42 nominations. So this guy's like a legit good actor. A movie that he was in recently. I'm trying to think. He's been. He does a lot of side roles these days. Did he? Was he in Lion King? Did he do what, a voice in the Lion King? No. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Look him up if you okay. haven't heard of him before. I'm gonna Google He's him right amazing. now. Hey Google, who is Danny Glover? According to Wikipedia, Danny Laverne Glover is an American actor, film director, and political activist. 
Oh, that guy! Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll tell you a little bit about his uh, epilepsy and why we're talking about him today. Yes. Okay. So, Danny Glover had epilepsy as a child. That's like a lot of people when they start getting it, it's going to be as a child. Mm-hmm. Weird for me, I didn't. It was different. I don't even know if it's still epilepsy. I think it's just a generic term these days. Yeah. And that basically it's a shrug the shoulders, we don't know what happened. I don't know. Epilepsy, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> for him, it was definitely a, a child uh, onset. And it was one that he eventually outgrew. But his attachment to uh, trying to do something for people that had epilepsy continued after that. So not only did he have epilepsy as a child, uh, eventually when he did outgrow it, uh, he decided to do stuff about it. Now, he actually has said that learning how to get through his seizures and get through his episodes helped him prepare um, later on in life, especially for being on stage. Because it was something that he had to focus after having a seizure to get himself sorted out before he went on stage as a kid to act. So oh, he's been acting that long. Yeah, he was acting as a kid. A lot of a lot of these actors, you know, they start as kids and doing drama class, you know, and they're all they're all drama queens and, <laughs> <laughs> and then, all the drama nerds. Yeah, exactly. And then they go on to uh, sometimes get really famous. Um, some of them they just look really hot and they get the role anyway. Shanning Tatum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got the Shanning Tatums of the world, and you got the Danny Glovers of the world. <laughs> <laughs> the actors. Uh, <laughs> he did quotation marks for the actors. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, he eventually outgrew it, but he decided to uh, help out when he could. Because once he got famous and rich, uh, it was much easier for him to support these kind of things. It's very hard for individuals to support these things besides, you know, putting some time in. Uh, but he was able to also financially support the Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, he donates and volunteers his time. He does speaking tours based on the uh, on epilepsy. So even though it was something that was a childhood problem, he decided to still do stuff about it and is to this day still doing things about it. When so, did he grow out of it? Um, I couldn't find any specific time, but it looks like basically when he was transitioning from a child to an adult. Wow. So at some point he just outgrew it. So that, in my mind, tends to be like in your teen years or late teens, basically you're no longer a child. So those issues you get to leave behind. Sometimes. Was he, like, born with it or, like, hit in the head or... Not hit in the head. He just had it at some point. Once again, details are hard when you try to look into people's lives sometimes. Yeah. But he did have it as a child, and that's basically been his statement that he's used. He, he had it as a child. So how how early? Hard to say. But he did have it, and he did eventually outgrow it, thankfully for him. Um, and then he was able to... Uh, but he didn't just forget about it. A lot of people, they, they get that part and they just sort of be like, okay, that was my childhood issues and it's behind me. It's in my past now. Mm-hmm. But he decided to continue to do stuff to support it. That's, which is, that's really great. Yeah, which is pretty awesome, which is why I decided to pick him as uh, our fellow fish. Yeah. Good guy Glover. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I almost didn't know who he was. <laughs> I had to, I had you were to so young. <laughs> if you, okay, if you grew up in the 80s like me, you would know him. Oh, yeah, I remember those two years of the 80s. I mean, I'm 22. I'm 22. I'm that's 42. Right. So I remember every year of the 80s and even some of the years of the 70s. That's how freaking old I am. But you're 42? I am. What the fish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't look it. No, you really don't. Okay. Um, his, uh, his wife, Jenny, is a day younger than me. Yeah, I got lucky. 
Oh my god! And I thought I thought uh, Ben was robbing the cradle. He's mm. eight years older than me. Yeah. Well, either way, I got a wonderful, wonderful person, and so do you. <laughs> so. I remember um, when my dad found out how old, much older Ben was than me, he got kind of upset because mm. I think I was uh, 17 when Ben and I met, okay. and he was like 25, I guess, Okay. something like that, turning 26. My dad found out how old Ben was, and he was very disapproving. He was like, I don't know, that's a little old for you, and I was like, okay, uh, you knocked up my mom and she was 10 years younger than you. Never brought it up again. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the funny thing. It's like, honestly, I think women really do mature faster. And I, I think it's uh, a lot of it has to do with just social construct rather than just they develop faster because you get put under a lot more social pressure as a woman than you do as a guy. As guys, you can basically act like a child until you basically have to be in charge of something. And then you don't act as a child. Whereas women actually have to be like, they have to think of so many more social things than guys do mm -hmm. just just to exist and i think that helps and they probably do just naturally develop faster anyways but i think part of it is social construct so in general a lot of women uh when they're in their teens tend to be more attracted to a little bit older anyways because that's more on par with them <laughs> whereas if you if you were 17 and went out with a 17 year old guy you'd probably think he was a bit of a Douchebag? Douchebag, or a little bit on the uh, immature side. A little bit, yeah. I'm just thinking, this is like this is me like as a guy trying to think of it, because both of us are in the same kind of uh, boat where the other person was older, uh, where the guy was older, basically. You've been with an older guy? I, oh, many times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we decided that this week our um, theme, I guess, was going to be surgery because let's face it a lot of us fish have surgery because we don't want to be fish anymore mm -hmm. and that includes me i had brain surgery when i was 13. yeah uh we decided to do some research and i it turns out there's a lot of different types of operation we're going to talk about them uh and what we'd love to know is if there's one that here that uh you as fellow fish uh had as uh, at one point we'd love to know how it went if you're willing to share and we if we don't mention something that you guys uh, had uh, please let us know uh, we can only know so much once again we're not medical professionals no, but we're near medical professionals. well well we have met oh that's right you are very near a medical professional I yeah. am related to a medical professional <laughs> <laughs> the thing is is that uh, I, I have some knowledge but I'm certainly not an expert on brain surgery so we'll definitely put that yeah. out it's going to be interesting. Um, we're going to talk about a few, and when we get to the one that you had, mm -hmm. maybe uh, give us your experience in that. Yeah, please go for it. Uh, also, if you think we have forgotten something or uh, you've heard something different, some sort of corrections corner, feel free to email us at fishoutofwater101 at outlook.com and let us know your thoughts on that, and we can address it in the following podcast. Absolutely. Okay, so I have, like, what is this? One, two, three, four, five five separate major Whoa. types of operation and each one of those have a few subs subtypes so it's actually it sounds complicated but it's actually not the way to think of it is if one thing doesn't work they can do another thing and if that thing doesn't work uh, for a specific reason or is not you're not able to use it they can do another thing so they have basically answers to most of the 
questions if they know exactly what's happening in your brain. Thing is, is that they need to know where the seizures are coming from and if it's bad enough. The thing about surgery, especially brain surgery, as you might imagine, there's a lot of risks that come along with that. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they're opening your head for most of these and they're uh, poking around in there. Sometimes they're removing parts of your brain. So the thing to remember is that they don't do this unless they have to. So they, or if they think that it'll give them a significant advantage in somehow, like it'll either cure them or it will reduce the seizures to a significant degree. Because if you're being uh, medicated and the medication is working fine and it doesn't give you any more seizures, they're probably just going to keep you on. I can imagine a lot of people saying, well, I don't want to be on medication anymore. Just give me the brain surgery, you know, and they'll say, I can accept that risk to be able to dump this medication. The reason they typically don't is if you can be just swallowing pills and have a good life and not have it interrupted, they're probably going to go for that. Now, that being said, uh, every case is individual. So let's get started. The first type of brain surgery that I uh, talked about is focal resection. Now, focal, all you have to worry about about the term focal is it just means a specific part. So focal just means that they know exactly where the seizure is coming from, they know where it's originating, and they want to cut that part out. That part can be the size of a golf ball, which you, when you're thinking of it, it's like, ooh, that's rather extreme. <laughs> Don't worry, it gets more extreme. So, <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, it gets worse. It does. <laughs> so a focal resection is simply there to, they find the origination. Uh, so you can have, for instance, a temporal lobe uh, resection. So your temples, right? Think in the side, if the seizure is coming from a particular part uh, in the temporal lobes, that part they pull out and quite often seizures go away because of the origination point is gone, no longer there. You got the parietal lobe or the occipital lobe resection, same things. They find it in certain areas and they'll take it out. Now, the thing to remember about these is they're not going to do this type of resection if the seizure origination point is in a point where it's major functions. So if you had one coming from uh, some of the primitive brain in the back of your head, they're not going to take that out because suddenly you can't breathe anymore or you can't talk anymore or you can't see anymore. I mean, those are pretty darn important parts of your daily life. A little bit. <laughs> so they're not going to be doing this type of uh, operation on that. So they got, like I said, they got other operations that they can do in that case. Uh, the last one of the focal resection type that I want to talk about is the frontal lobe resection. Now this one comes, these all come with issues and side effects. Frontal lobe resection is an issue. The reason it's an issue is your frontal lobe, for those that don't know, that's basically personality, the part of the brain that gives you thinking uh, patterns and basically how to, a lot of people with frontal lobe injuries are the ones that you see that have impulse control issues, they have personality issues, things like that. For those, uh, for a good example of that is Phineas Gage. Phineas Gage, if you haven't heard of him, definitely check out uh, Hank Green's video um, on YouTube of Phineas Gage. He wrote a song about him. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, it, well, he's an interesting guy. I love Hank Green or Phineas Gage. Both. Uh, both. I love them both. <laughs> uh, to put it short, back in the 1800s, Phineas Gage was a worker on a railroad. He had a family. He was a church-going person, very nice person by all accounts. And there was an explosion in a railroad spike went right through his head. Now, usually that would kill you, especially back then. Uh, but he lived. But it went through the frontal lobe. By the end of it, uh, his whole personality had changed. And so they were studying him. He became an alcoholic. He became violent, angry. All these problems, all from that frontal lobe injury. 
And it was one of the first indications that different parts of the brain did different functions in the body. And so he was a big study case. I believe he died an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, he, he had a miserable life after that injury. I wouldn't be happy if something went through my brain. Yeah, but you'd probably get over it if it was in the right area. Yes, I did <laughs> read that um, he went to the doctor after it went through his head, and he sneezed, and, quote, a teacup of brain came out. Oof. A teacup. I like how that was what they used. A, a teacup. Not a coffee cup. Not a coffee cup. Not a, a <laughs> spoonful. Not a cup. Like, a very specific teacup. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if they captured it in a teacup. Yeah, it's like, let's see how much there is. Oh, I was drinking <laughs> tea. Just, like, put it in there. Oh, man. Can you imagine sneezing and a teacup of brain comes out each time? Oh, God. I get nervous <laughs> at nosebleeds, so. Ugh. So anyways, uh, all of these come with issues. I mean, when you're removing brain, you, you know there's going to be some side effects. Uh, but quite often, they do this, like I said, in extreme cases, and sometimes it's uh, worth the effort. So the next one is called a lesionectomy. Think of a lesion as anything from scar tissue to uh, tumor, anything like that. So when they're removing a source that they know uh, is originating the seizures, and they want to take that out. Now, this won't be a specific section of the brain in the sense that it's the, uh, the part of the brain that's originating it, but not a specific uh, one source. This is where you know why it's happening. You know why the seizures are there, like there's a tumor. So this would be the type that Liv had. Oh, okay. So you had scar tissue uh, that they found on your brain. I, uh, no, kind, kind of, but no. So when I was 12, I found out through a family member who sent me a card saying good luck with your brain surgery <laughs> that I was having brain surgery. Apparently everyone knew but me. And that it was scheduled for my sister's 10th birthday. Why? When, well, that was the day that was open. So I, when I told her that I wasn't going to be there for her birthday... She promptly exclaimed, you just don't want to get me a present! And I'm like, yeah, that that's why. That's why. Okay. But she was 10. She's now a doctor, so you are forgiven, Dr. Biz. Anyway, <laughs> um, leading up to it, I had a three-day EEG where I couldn't leave the hospital or my bed. I wasn't allowed to sleep uh, because they wanted me to have seizures, and sleep deprivation caused seizures, at least through me. Um, they took away half of my medication. They had me just watch movies, play cards, try and try and try. They wanted me to have three seizures so they could narrow down exactly where they were going to open me up. Um, I fell asleep eventually, I think after two and a half days. I, I fell asleep. And one thing that used to make me have a seizure, I honestly don't know if it still does, is if I was startled, like suddenly scared, if someone like shouted boo and ran, came out from a corner or whatever, and my dad arranged all of the doctors and nurses to close the doors to all of the other patients' rooms in the wing, okay. so he could grab me and scream boo and like shake me to try and like shake a seizure out of me or something. Oh, wow. So... Like, because I just needed one more seizure, and then I could go home. Just one more seizure. And he, he grabbed my shoulders, and he screamed, boo, in my ear. And I didn't wake up. I was that tired. I wow. didn't wake up. Apparently, yeah. all the doctors and nurses just, like, cracked up. And then the nurses went on strike, so I got to go home early. Um, now, this was literally years ago. I don't even want to do the math, because I don't 
quite that I'm 29, but um, <laughs> and I can't 42. do math. I can't do math. It, it's not a thing I can do. So um, I was 13 when I had the surgery, and I'm 29 now, so you can do the math. So I'd had, I don't even know how many MRIs, how many CAT scans, how many EEGs, and they were like, all right, you've got a lesion in the left side of your brain, and we're going to go in and we're going to try and remove it, but it's really close to the motor strip. Uh, there is a 30% chance that your seizures will go away, and like the 70 there was a 70% chance that, like, I'll continue having seizures, but they'll be a little better or something like that. But eventually I was just like, you know what? You guys aren't telling me anything besides numbers that I can't explain. You're not using metaphors, so I can understand what the hell you're about to do to my head. So I'm just going to go into the other room and read. I just got sick of it because <laughs> they were talking to my parents. They weren't talking to the person who was going to have it done, and that wasn't fair to me. So I'm like, well, if you're not going to talk to me, the person you're actually cutting open, who you haven't even asked if I want this surgery, that's it. I'm done. I'll see you guys on May 7th. It's amazing how kids get ignored, even if they're the focus of the talk, especially in medical wards. It's like, that, depending on who you get, it can be much better than that, or it should be much better than that. But they'll be talking to just the parents because they're the decision makers, and technically you have no rights as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so. looking back, because um, I didn't want this surgery, but if I were my dad and I were in his position, 100% I would be like, no, you're having the surgery. Yeah. Like, absolutely, I would be doing that. I would want to do everything for my kid to be healthy, try everything I can, but I would talk to him. I, yeah, you would I talk to boy, the kid. I would yeah. talk to him. I would let him know this is what the doctors are going to do. This is, I would I would talk to the victim, okay? Because that that's so important. And my sister, when she was doing her interviews to get into um, her residency, and they were asking questions like, "How would you speak? Like, what is one? Of, what's one of the things that you plan on focusing on?" She uh, said, "My sister has epilepsy and." She's expressed that the doctors didn't listen to her or didn't speak to her. They just did and spoke to the parents. And that wasn't fair. So that's something that I'm really great that he was going to do. Anyway, so on May 7th, I got up really early in the morning. And it's time for brain surgery. Someone took a picture of me sitting on a bed in one of those hospital gowns, clutching onto my teddy bear. And I was 13 clutching onto my teddy bear, they had shaved a part of my head, and I had really nice long brown hair that I'd been growing out for ages, because I'd always wanted long brown hair, and now <laughs> I have this bald patch that ran down the part of my hair, and like down my down to my like left ear in this weird circle thing, and then the doctors came out, and they were like, okay, it's time, and my stepmom was going to come in with me, so she follows me in, and you know, like, hugs, and, like, I love you, I'll see you soon, etc. I start, like, shaking, and they start, like, helping me get onto the table, and I changed my mind. I was like, nope, no, I don't want this anymore, and I started to try and run for the door. Like, oh, I dear. threw my teddy bear. I never saw that teddy bear again, actually. I chucked that teddy bear at one of the doctors and started booking it toward the door. Someone tackled me, and the last thing I remember is this mask being shoved onto my face, and then I woke up said I don't want the brain surgery and this nurse was over me and she was like too late <laughs> turns out they had opened me up mm -hmm. 
and they had found seven more lesions. Seven more than they thought, and they were all too close to the mowing strip to be safely removed. So they removed a third of one of them. Uh, it didn't. Um, it didn't stop the seizures. They became less frequent but more violent over time. I used to have about four small ones a week, and now I have one or two more violent ones a month. Right. So. Maybe, like, that may have happened over time anyway. Who knows, that seizure, uh, that, sorry, not that seizure, that surgery may have actually done something, but uh, honestly, I don't know. It took a long time for my hearing to grow back. Yeah. And, yeah, I missed a lot of school. Got bullied for the new scar I had, and it's like, well, F you. I just had my brain chopped open. What did you do today? Kids aren't the most uh, hospitable creatures. No. Harry will be, though. So that's my brain surgery story. (laughs) That was really fun. And, uh, yeah, I do get to... Oh, they did do a test because they were really... Not only were they surprised uh, that it was like, okay, there's more than we thought, which which shows how much better um, MRIs are now, like the the quality of them and how much better the test can be. Uh, but it also goes to uh, goes to show doctors can be taken really off guard when they had no idea what these lesions were made of. Usually they're like, oh, it's scar tissue or it's, I don't know, other oh. stuff, brain uh, blood vessels. No, yeah, they were pieces of fat. I am a yeah. fat head. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all have a little. Technically, everybody is because uh, brain tissue is lipids, and lipids are fat tissue. Hmm. So you know, with all of the nerve endings in there, the, the nerve endings aren't made up of fat, but uh, the actual uh, matter, and the, the gray matter and the white matter and all that, um, that's all lipid-based. Now, it's not the same type of fat as the fat that you have in your body, but it is the same forms. Both are lipids. Hmm. So we are all fatheads. <laughs> okay, let's get through the rest of these really quick because yes. there's a few of them. Um, <laughs> So, the next type is called a multiple subpeel transection. Now, a transection just means a cut. Ah. And peel is talking about the pia mater. Uh, the pia mater is the top layer really on top. It, it's like a covering that covers your brain. But what they can do is subpeel just means underneath the pia mater. So, the covering okay. that's on top of your brain. If you think of it like a plastic bag that's on your brain, that keeps like it... Like saran wrap to your brain. Yeah, basically. Okay. And it basically keeps it in place. It helps it uh, keep it solid. Because when we see brains and we're holding them, uh, like when they have like cow brains or something like that, and they're showing them to you in school, and it's like you're what holding... What school did you go to? We dissected brains. Ew. Yeah, like when you get cow brains or pig brains or something like that, and they give them to you. You have to remember that those brains have been treated with either formaldehyde or something else, and that solidified them. Your actual brain is like jello. It moves around. It's like you could take scoops out of it. It's like it's like that. It's not hard. It's very almost liquidy. It moves around and sloshes around, uh, which is why brain damage happens when you get your head hit really hard. So Hannibal Lecter wouldn't have needed a knife in that scene. No, he would not have. Okay. All he needs is a spoon. A teaspoon? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's it's maybe a touch more firm than Jello, but it's basically that's how it would look if you saw it. If you moved it around, it would shake around. If you shake your head around, it moves around. So when you're thinking of that, the, you need something to keep it more or less in place. 
and that's what partially what the Fiamator does. Uh, it covers the brain so that it more or less keeps its form. Now, what they do is, uh, in the multiple subfield transections, uh, when you have uh, epilepsy coming from an area that's very sensitive, like the motor strip, or from other areas of the brain, such as uh, areas in the primitive side of the brain, which is the back part of the brain, uh, all that back part of the brain, that motor function, a few other things like that, your breathing, all those important things, and then you got, or in an area that's speech function, things like that, what they do instead is they look at where the uh, epilepsy originates, but then they see where it progresses outward. So what they try to do is they cut the areas without damaging you too much where the transition of all of that information, all of that electrical storm. So they're trying to cut the electrical storm down by putting little cuts in the brain, basically. And with that, it helps to stop the spread of the actual seizure. So you may have seizures still, but they won't be nearly as violent, or maybe they can reduce your medication by a lot. So it's a life improvement. A lot of these are life improvement surgeries rather than get rid of it completely uh, surgeries. The uh, lesionectomy and the focal resection, those can be get rid of it completely because if you take the original source and get rid of it because it's coming from one area and one area only, then you might actually be left with no seizures. But some of these other ones, they're more of the uh, reduce the the how bad they are, how frequent they are. So this particular one, the subpeel transection, basically you put little cuts in your brain to reduce the how much you're going to have, how bad the seizures are, or how frequent. The next one is a hysterectomy. Hemi, Brendan, hemi, if so, you're listening to this, if that wasn't pronounced correctly, just I, uh, I let already, us know. Yeah, I already know it wasn't. Hemi, <laughs> hemispherectomy. It's, some of these are uh, mouthfuls, uh, I'll just say. <laughs> uh, so a hemispherectomy, you have two hemispheres on your brain, the left right. hemisphere, right hemisphere. If you have one area that's very damaged or it's enlarged, they'll just take the whole thing out. So remember when I said that golf ball size wasn't as bad as it gets? Mm -hmm. This is much worse. They take an entire side of the brain completely out. So if you had an MRI or CT, you'd have this big black spot on one side because there's nothing there. It's an empty area. Uh, obviously, this comes with a lot of side effects, and they don't do this unless they absolutely have to. Yeah. So one side's already very damaged and is causing all of this grief, or one side is enlarged because that happens sometimes, and it's not getting smaller. Uh, so what they'll do sometimes is they'll just take an entire side of it. Now, you're going to be left with some issues. There's a lot of uh, side effects, which I won't get into, but essentially you can imagine how your life might be a little different if one side of your brain was gone. That's like a lobotomy. Uh, no, a lobotomy is a very specific area that they hit in the front. And they used to do it with an ice pick. They used to call them ice pick lobotomies. Oh, and they would nice. go in the front eye. Um, very, very specific. Um, but anyways, it's one of the many types of uh, things. And it only happens in extreme cases. Two more. Uh, corpus colostomy. Uh, this is for severe generalized epilepsy. So this is epilepsy that's all over the brain. It's not originating. I believe that's the type that I have is generalized. Mine's controlled mostly by meds. So thankfully I can just take pills and it's more or less dealt with, even if the pills aren't the greatest. Because surgery, you know, it, it may or may not. But sometimes, you know, that's the best option. So with a corpus colostomy... Isn't colostomy, isn't that a poop bag? Well, colostomy bag is a poop bag. Uh, but basically... It's, uh, it, the colostomy is not, it's a term that's used for a couple things, but this is one of them. But a colostomy bag is the bag that they put, because you got to remember what a colostomy bag does. The colostomy bag redirects your poop 
So it's not coming out of the bottom end anymore. It comes into the bag instead. Okay, so this is brain poop? Uh, sort of. It's, it's about the incision, okay. more specifically. So the corpus callosomy uh, is for generalized epilepsy. What it does is it splits the main connection between the two hemispheres. So this one has some interesting side effects. So what's happening is that you have this storm that's coming from one side to the other. And what they want to do is reduce the amount of seizures you have, or at least the intensity, by splitting uh, the connection between the two sides of the brain. And then the firestorm basically goes halfway, and then it stops. So then you don't get a full storm over the entire brain. It has to be pretty extreme for this. There's interesting, odd side effects to that. Now, our brains work in tandem. Uh, now, they all have different parts, but one side uh, functions one side of your body, one side functions the other, just like your eyes. They're actually opposite. Your right side does the left, and the mm -hmm. left side does the right. Now, the other thing is, like, when you try to draw, if you've ever tried to draw two different things with two different hands, draw a circle with one, draw a square with the other, you can't. No. Because the brains are in tandem. They go in circles. One of the weird side effects of this corpus callosomy type uh, operation is that because they're split, they now operate separate. So you can draw a oh. circle with one and a square with the other because they're no longer in tandem. So if you're that eager to be able to do that, there is a surgery. There is a surgery <laughs> for it. You can get surgery and then suddenly you can do slightly different things with the brain. So that one's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have heard of that one before. So there's also the stereostatic, uh, stereotactic radio surgery. All, all that means is radiation treatment. Oh, okay. So if they have an area and they know how to, uh, the exact spot, and it's deep inside, one of the things they can do is they don't have to even enter the brain as far as like any kind of operation. This is less of an operation, more of a procedure. So they have, uh, they'll send radiation in a particular area. And the way they do it is kind of interesting because radiation, really strong radiation would kind of kill anything it points at, right? So what they do instead is they send weak radiation from multiple sources and they all interact or intersect in one particular area. So you can imagine, like, if you got something deep in the brain, and that's the problem, and you want to shoot it with this radiation, if you shoot it really hard from one direction, it kills everything along the way, right? Because it's a beam, and you don't want that. You want it to shoot from multiple directions, and they all intersect in that one area. So it's concentrated in that one area, and it does the job, but it won't hurt the rest of the brain. So that's how you get deep without hurting the rest of the brain, is you shoot light ones, from all different locations, and then it all intersects in one. Huh. So, which is kind of cool. So, it's specific area of the brain, and uh, that's one's really nice that they can do it because they don't have to operate. It's basically uninvasive as far as uh, that goes. You basically sit in a device and they shoot it, and then you get treated further from there, and that's it. So, no brain operation. So that's nice. Now, there's another one that I we should really do a uh, an episode on is. Uh, Neurostimulation devices. Uh, these I don't know much about yet, so I do want to look these up further. Uh, they basically place devices in your brain that help redirect some of these in, uh, electrical impulses. And I'm not sure too much about them yet. Uh, for the, any of the fish out there that have one of these devices in the brain, please let us know how it works uh, and how it works for you and um, what the procedure was like, because uh, I'd love to know. Yeah, maybe I can get uh, my sister's partner uh, who is a neurosurgeon to yeah. talk to us about that. Yeah, that would be really interesting because I think they're kind of fascinating. I mean, I find all these operations fascinating, but uh, it's a bit of a longer episode this time, but there was a lot yeah, to talk about. a little bit. I don't have minutes here, just seconds. <laughs> it's been almost 1,800 seconds. Yeah. Anyways, 
that's those are the different types of operations for the major ones anyways. Let us know if you've had one that's different, and uh, if uh, you have had one, uh, please let us know what your experiences were. Yeah, well, was it successful? Yeah, because sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Did they find seven more lesions <laughs> in your brain? Okay, so we were going... Oh, that's right, you've had surgery. Not brain surgery, but you've had surgery. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll tell you what it was briefly, but maybe on the next episode we can talk about it in more in depth. Yeah, sure. Um, or do you want to save it as a surprise? Well, let's save it. We might have mentioned okay. more or less some of my issues, but it's it, it's something interesting enough that we could do an episode on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's um, turn the screensaver off on my laptop here. Uh, I don't remember my password. There it is. Okay, shout out corner. Uh, so that's me. Uh, we did uh, episode two. We did a full shout-out episode, but the quality is horrible, so it might not come out for a little while longer. We might re-record it. So um, we have not forgotten about you. We still have your names. We still have the questions that you asked, and we will answer them. We will have an episode for that. We just, um, that's not today. No, it, it was, uh, there was technical issues. Oh, God, it sounds horrible. It, it's just awful. Um, it was great answering those questions, and we will record the we will re-record that episode. So unfortunately, that won't be episode two. This one might be, or three. Okay, so we haven't forgotten about you, but we'll re-record that episode. So my shout-out corner is actually going to go. To, it's it's not quite a shout-out because I'm still kind of pissed off that this happened. A shout no corner. Okay. You know what this is about, don't you? Probably. So, I was on an epilepsy page on Facebook mm. where you go to support people mm. for epilepsy. Questions on what do you do when this happens. Venting, etc. And this guy, I'm going to call him Bill. He posted that he was done and just wanted it to end. So I commented on this post saying, like, no, don't do anything like that. People love you. You don't want to hurt people like that. If you need to talk, reach out to someone. And Steve's nodding, like, yeah, I know where this is going. Anyway, so, and there there were quite a few comments like that, too. And he commented back saying, thanks, can I add you as a friend on Facebook? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, go for it. So uh, he does that. I accept the friend uh, request, and he messages me saying, can, do you want a picture of me? It, it's the first thing he says, and I'm like, No that's okay, I saw your post, I know what you look like. And he goes, can I have a picture of you? And I was like, no. <laughs> he goes, how old are you and where do you live? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to lie, I'm like 24 and in Ontario. And he goes, I'm 32 and in UK and I'm single. I'm like, no, no, you can't <laughs> use an epilepsy support group Facebook page to try and get nudie pics. From girls. It's pretty low. It's so low. So I went back to the post and I checked out that I I looked at the comments and he had liked every pretty girl's comment and asked if they wanted to be Facebook friends. And I was the only <laughs> one that said yes. I was the only one that fell for this troll's crap. So please don't be Bill, okay? Bad guy Bill. Bad guy Bill. No, that was such a douche maneuver. Don't may, be that person. May I say something? 
Of you, course. You, it's a podcast. <laughs> That's what you do on podcasts. You talk. You wear your heart on your sleeve. I know. And I, you know, and <laughs> I'm all for supporting people. I, I'm very much of a supporter. I don't trust people. I am so naive, though. Like, I, I just... I, <laughs> see, here's the thing. I... I like people. I even sometimes I even love people. I don't trust people, and <laughs> and that's just like one of those things. Like I have zero trust on people. So anytime someone's asking me for something, I immediately I'm in defensive. Like, why are you asking for that? Maybe maybe that's a fault of mine. But oh my god, this happens to you more than most people. I I have to say. I know. I know. I'm. So- this this guy he he really wanted a picture of me and I'm like why would you want a picture of me and he goes uh, he says well I have a design I want to put on it and uh-huh. I'm like well then how about you post on the Facebook page hey I'm doing an epilepsy design thing send me your photo on, and I'll do it and that way if it's on the public forum people might be more comfortable to do it and then I'll see maybe and. He goes, oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or sad face, something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, here, have a picture of my dog. She helps me after I have seizures. And I send this awesome picture of Stacy the dog, <laughs> smiling. And he goes, nah, you're good. And then that's it. And I'm like, you, oh, so I like. Yeah, I would have already, uh, like, blocked his ass. Yeah, but I'm naive as <laughs> F. So <laughs> I'm like, oh I go gosh. to Ben and I'm venting and I'm like, Benjamin, this guy named Bill did this. Oh God, I was so mad. And Ben basically had the same reaction as you. He's like, "Why didn't you block him earlier?" I'm like, "Cause I don't want him to hurt himself." And yeah, he's like, "That's called emotional blackmail." Oh my it, God. And it's like, I will do something bad to myself if you don't do this. I have worked in mental health a long time, and we see that with uh, a lot of certain types of personalities. Uh, that especially ones that uh, don't behave. Uh, within social norms and they use that kind of stuff because they know they can get a lot of what they want out of people especially people that are kind-hearted and they can manipulate them yeah and it's one of those things that I think one of the reasons why I don't mind uh, doing mental health as a job is because I I keep a distance with most people even if people I'm taking care of uh, because you have to Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I said I like people I really do uh, but I don't trust them and uh it's call it a fault call it whatever but oh my god it's it's funny as hell but when you were saying that uh i remember i could hear you rolling it oh was she looking at it too yeah well you're (laughs) she was like oh (laughs) she just had this sigh and it's like why does this happen to you You, some people attract it and i think it's unfortunately people that are kind people that are nice uh attract that kind of thing because you are a target unfortunately, for this kind of creep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, dump the rest. As Uh, in, like, in all kinds of ways. Block them in any way. Because there's some people that get attached, and they're like, oh, I'm going to find, even though you blocked me, I'm going to create a new account, find your account again, and then keep on doing this. Social misconduct. You betcha. Oh, my God. Anyway, so that's a shout no corner. I just, I, it's... (laughs) Don't use support groups to hit on people. No! That's such a... Damn it, Bill! <laughs> anyway, so shout no to Bill, but shout yes to 
all the parents out there that are doing such a great job with kids that have epilepsy um, on the Facebook group. Breaks my heart every time I see those posts, but you guys are doing great being on support groups, finding out, talking to people who do have epilepsy so they can figure out what helped them as a kid when they had it. You're doing great. Um, just uh, keep on trying. If your, see, if your kid sees you scared, they're going to get scared. So uh, keep calm, keep collected, stay, and just most of all, just love your kid. Most that, in, who knows? You may just need to accept it, and that's going to be what's going to be their life. But as long as they have people that they know are going to stay by their side, that's definitely going to help. So bravo to everyone that's helping any kind of love in their life with epilepsy. But shout no Bill. <laughs> so uh, you've got fits of laughter, right? Yeah, fits of laughter. Okay. Okay. So it was a bit of a surgery theme, this one. So right? this is a yeah. surgery joke. Okay. Is it so dark that I need to, that people need like a warning? It's more sad than dark. Okay, because the last one... Was pretty brutal. That was horrible. Okay. Uh, last one for us, maybe not for you yet. We'll see how this goes. You'll know it when you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tend to go that way with humor. Uh, I find it a little more funny. <laughs> I'm, that's maybe another fault. Yeah, he laughed at Marley and me. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you hide money from a surgeon? Tape it to his kids. They never see their family. Oh! <laughs> Yeah. That was really good. Like I said, sad, but it's kind that of true. That is sad. Surgeons are busy, yeah. busy people. They're busy saving lives. And, uh, yeah, they can be a little cranky in the uh, OR, and I know that because I did an ESN. It was an employed student nurse uh, in the OR. So mm -hmm. I got to see some operations. Some of the surgeons are a little bit cranky. They're a little bit uh, tyrant sometimes in there. Some of them are very nice, but uh, you get both. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they uh, don't, don't get to see their babies. Yeah, don't have much of a social life. I'm away from nine for I'm away from Harry for nine hours from Monday to Friday, and I'll be it'll be two o'clock, and I'm like, I miss Harry. <laughs> I'm such a wimp. I'm not even kidding when I say Norma Bates. Like you said, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I literally have a tattoo that says "I miss you," which is donated to my mom. They were now little women, which is for my sister. Another tattoo that says Oni on it with a paw print. Oni was my wonderful orange tabby that Jenny actually helped me say goodbye to. She, oh, she helped me so much that day. Poor thing, she was eighteen. I still got dirt on my life. shovel from that. <laughs> you didn't clean it off. You, oh, did she, I? No, she borrowed my shovel from my car because I happened to have one of those collapsible military shovels in the back of my car because who knows, it might come in handy, and it did. It did. I had, <laughs> to, I had to make a grave for Oni. And she gave it back, and it still had dirt on it. I was broken. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I was thinking about was... Anyway. Anyways. That was, that, was a, that was a long time ago. Love you, Oni. Anyway, uh, do we sign off after yeah. 2,100 seconds? Absolutely. Oh, jeez. And no baby came in. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. That happened last I time. I miss Harry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's give it a good sign-off. Carpe diem. Get it? <laughs> Thank you.